Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, my name is Dana Shergill. I'm a kinky wellness coach and owner of The Partition, home of kinky wellness. Each Monday, I bring on a guest to discuss why kinky sexual wellness deserves a seat in the wellness conversation. You can catch my solo shows on Wednesdays, but let's jump into it. Hey, and welcome back. Today's guest is a young lady who connected with me via Instagram from India named Sam Panda. Sam is a trainee counselor and a certified sexuality educator. Sex ed has always been a topic that she has been vocal about, and she continues to work every day towards creating a non-judgmental and taboo-free space for all. In her free time, she loves to read, binge watch TV, and listen to music. I wanted to bring Sam on the show because of her enthusiasm to sex education, and I love what she does, and I can't wait to see what she does in the future. But for today, we will be talking about her sexual education experiences and background in the field so far. So let's get into it. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad that we've connected finally. I know that this podcast has been up in the air. We were originally supposed to record it while I was in India, um, but we had some scheduling issues, but we are filming it now. So I'm excited for this. Yes, I'm very excited for this. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. So <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So why don't we start with just you telling us a little bit about you and a little bit of your background of how you came to be a sexual health educator in India. So my real name is Sampada Fotedar. It's a little difficult to pronounce, so we'll just go ahead with Sam. I am 23 years old and I am a native of Jammu and Kashmir, India. I just completed my master's in counseling psychology from IIPR Bangalore and I want to become a sex therapist. I mean, I'm on the road for that. Now, uh, my introduction to sex education was pretty much very basic. I don't really have an extraordinary or very inspiring story. It's just that I came across the show on Netflix at first and a lot of people were talking about the show and I watched it and that made me, you know, quite, um, that made me quite interested. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, my eyes opened about a lot of things and I started to buy books. I started to watch more shows related to sex ed and eventually my interest grew and that's how I stepped into the field, I guess. I mean, well it's nothing... Uh, no, yeah. I love it. I Well, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show is because you're just getting into this and the sense of perspectives that are different from mm -hmm. India versus here and what I've experienced in the West. So mm -hmm. you would say that mostly really sex education came through a lot through the media. So yes, uh, at least my experience with sex education was purely through media and uh, through books, through some really good shows, through podcasts. But uh, I have seen, like, this is what I have seen. I've seen that in India, people tend to learn from sex education from a very different source. Mostly it is pornography. And sex education is still growing in this country. I mean, it has taken, uh, you know, it has uh, shaped up to be huge in urban areas, in tier one cities. But I think tier two and tier three cities are still not that aware about sex. And hopefully one day they will be. That is why people like me, talk more and more about it well absolutely and you have a little bit of background as well with this you were part of the sex education india group 
which was, um, from my understanding, the youth-led organization that pushes sex education. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience? So I was a part of Sex Education India. And again, you're right. It is a youth-led organization which spreads awareness about sex ed. I was mainly involved in the social media team. And we all would brainstorm together to come up with posts, come up with reels, and, you know, discuss about topics related to sex ed, less discussed topics, or maybe something new or out of the box that we found and how to convert it into a post, how to convert it into a reel. So I was mainly involved in that aspect in this organization. But then, yeah, it was a good experience because, you know, whenever I used to research about any topic while creating some form of content, that research would, you know, end up educating me a lot. So mm. it did give me a very good you know, it gave me a very good platform. To, it was a good platform to express myself. Yeah, no, no doubt. And when it comes to sexual education and your experience, what you're going through this, how do you feel that the perspectives have been? Like, have you received pushback? Or if people find out that you're working in sexual education, is there a negative connotation to it somewhat? Or has it been mostly positive? Luckily, so far, my family and my friends have been very positive, very supportive about my work. And I hope that it continues that way. I know it will continue that way. I have not received much criticism yet. Um, yes, one really bad thing happened that I remember my previous account. It got deleted because mm -hmm. of the community guidelines of Instagram. So, you know, all of us as creators, we have to be very careful. I think that was... A very major setback that I faced. Nothing from my friends or family or people I know so far. I mean, they have all been supportive. They, they were very supportive when that whole incident took place. And, you know, through a lot of motivation from my friends, from my partner, I got a new page up and running. So <laughs> no, I agree. There's a lot of censorship for sure. And I feel like when I was out there that sex education was heavily censored in India more than it is out here in the West, but even on all social platforms, it's very easy for them to just take us out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sadly. And you were also with another organization. Sandhi, yes. And what was that like? Was that similar to what you did with Sex Education India? So in Pratisandhi, again, it is a youth-led organization. Uh, Pratisandhi mainly aims to target uh, parents and children and educate them about sex, about sexuality. So in Pratisandhi, I was involved in the peer education and awareness group. Uh, we used to learn about how to conduct and facilitate sex ed workshops. And my task, my another, uh, like one of my other tasks was to create YouTube shots. So Again, being in the social media team in Sex Ed India and then, you know, creating YouTube shots for Pratisandhi, it really gave me, you know, a lot of practice on how to create content. And that was also a big motivation as to like towards why I started my page. Mm, mm, wonderful, wonderful. Now with India, like I know that one of the main differences that we have here when it comes to sex ed and just relationships in general is just how the relationships come to be. So the dating field is a lot different. And so has like technology really changed that? Like are dating apps now changing the landscape of that? Dating apps certainly are changing the landscape of that because, you know, with the arrival of apps such as Tinder and Bumble and Hinge, 
people have been you know stepping out there and they have started to take the responsibility of finding their own partners the concept of arranged marriage is slowly being left behind in our country even though it's not bad but it is being left behind and people are you know exploring different forms of relationships such as casual dating one night stands and even polygamy for for that matter so with the arrival of technology with the arrival of um with a, with a lot of media exposure trends are changing and i think it's for the best only it does mm-hmm. have its cons also but i think overall it's for the best people have people have started to become more independent in that aspect yeah so i feel like that was kind of my perspective is that i feel that the technology has given independence when it comes to that even i've heard stories of people secretly using it not telling their families or they because there is a lot of pressure from families to follow mm-hmm. almost like the status quo um my experience of what i saw was just it was northern india a lot so just to preference here I don't know what South India is like or what other territories are like but from what I saw I guess in Haryana area like it was very much the families are very very involved yes I mean you know for the most for the for the majority families are involved families still have a say in who their child is going to marry I mean they should but (laughs) <laughs> sometimes they have too much of a say yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean at the same time children have you know youth has started to step out um it will take time it's a social movement it's you know we are still going towards a social change and slowly but surely things are changing and i'm sure it'll take its own sweet time but one day it'll happen <laughs> yeah yeah so what yeah. when it comes to dating in india like what are the expectations of people like it it's we've already touched that families are expected to kind of be involved or that case but are there expectations that are different from a male or a female dating so families are not that open to trial and error yet mm-hmm. i mean um from what i have seen families still want to you know see their child being in a committed really being a committed relationship or even if they are open to the idea of dating they want the child to just date that one person and eventually get married to them so again that brings me to the point that trial and error is not that appreciated yet in this country and for males and females there are different expectations there are set gender roles males are still allowed to you know have multiple partners but females are not expected to do that yet so it is a little difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> you, i you know it 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 all have it will all change with you know as in during the passage of time it can't you know all happen in one day <laughs> no no but it's good to see that there is slow change happening so i do think that the technology and the whatever the influences that are coming in allowing for free choice and trial and error because you know that's crazy to me i think back if i had to marry my first boyfriend i'm like i'm not even that same person like i'm not even close to who that person is so it's just one of those things that people are do change you know in in your 20s your early teenage years like 20s moving up any any age really like you can change and so your partners and what you like might actually change as well yes it might actually because personally speaking even i was a very different person when i was a teenager and now i am a very different person i also cannot imagine marrying my first boyfriend <laughs> no i'll be like oh my god why why would i do that 
that's funny so, i think trial and error is something that should be considered you know unless like and sometimes even you know the concept of not getting married even that is being introduced marriage being seen as a social construct that is also being talked about and i think it all ultimately comes down to having a personal choice if you want to do something you do it if you don't want to do something don't do it so i think personal choice needs to be encouraged a little bit more in this country that's all while uh, keeping in mind our culture our families because india is still a very collectivistic society so it can it, it's not that individualistic as the west so mm-hmm. you know setting clear cut boundaries in india is not that easy we have to find that way in order to keep our families happy and ourselves happy at the same time so that is what we are trying to figure out that is a lot of pressure like i know that we do have individuality out here and almost we're so individual like on um sometimes i feel like canadians are very much like it's just me like mm. just myself like they don't really worry about too much about other people and i would say that we need to come back to a middle ground here and take and care about our neighbors and care about people more a little bit because sometimes it can be lonely not gonna lie like because we're so individual out here there is a lot of Canadians that are extremely lonely because that's the systems that they have but um from that perspective of being able to change and have your own autonomy about who you're gonna date and things like that there must be a bit of a shift I guess between the rural areas and the more set like city center of India Hmm. There is a huge difference actually. In rural areas, people are very traditional. They follow their culture, their norms, which is also good. And in urban areas, it's very different. People are exposed to a lot of other things. People have, you know, seen a lot happening. So I feel there is a very, you know, there is a big difference. There is a huge shift. And even if a person has, you know, moved from a rural area to an urban area. sometimes it might happen that their you know way of thinking might not change they might you know choose to remain stuck to their roots and in other cases their thinking might change they might be open to different concepts anything can take place you know mm-hmm. so like i would say that there's there's good progress and there's also challenges here but would you say that like how is the perspective of sexual wellness like if you say sexual wellness to someone i guess in your area what is the knee jerk reaction that people get are they excited to talk about it or are they a little bit reserved still i think they are still reserved i can't yet you know uh, say that they are excited to talk about it um especially our parents even if they are living in urban areas even if they are well educated even if they are you know coming from good families they still won't be open enough to talk about sexual wellness um from what i have seen people in my generation my age the youth mainly youth is somehow still convinced and the youth are still open en- enough to talk about sex and sexuality and everything related to it but i would say that you in youth also it's just 10 or 20% of the youth because youth is not just us living in urban areas youth also means tier 2 tier 3 cities uh, rural areas so it's still growing that is what my observation has been so far yeah yeah mm-hmm. and when it comes to just growing in general it it comes back to the access of internet you would say that that's probably why it's being able to get to these areas so quickly 
yes definitely internet is a very you know internet has helped a lot i mean people have access to so many resources people have um, you know people can openly check about sex people can see what is out there so i would definitely credit internet for this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's one of the many reasons yeah now what is the main changes that you're hoping to make so um i have seen that even though people in urban areas are open to talking about sex i have still seen that they have a lot of myths surrounding them and my main aim is to debunk all of those myths so for now i have targeted my audience as 18 to 30 year olds living in urban areas for now then slowly and surely i aim to expand and um go towards children go towards parents and even target people from tier 2 and tier 3 cities i still have an audience from tier 2 tier 3 cities and i have received a good response from them and whenever i you know try to debunk any myth they understand of course the responses are not always good sometimes i also face backlash but overall it's been fine so for now my main aim is to you know debunk myths tell people the truth and make people more aware about sex in general yeah i mean so what are your favorite myths that you like to debunk then oh um so i talk a lot about periods debunking myths during periods i talk a lot about debunking myths during sexual intercourse lgbtq i have also spoken about um, i mean a lot of related topics you know but mainly i target periods and sexual intercourse for now i think periods are a big one around the world i think a lot of people they they have this notion that it's gross or something like that but it's just a natural process like process of life really and it's funny because it it's not so bad out here i would say because we are taught about it at a younger age but it is still some people still have this like oh i don't want to talk about it. i don't want to it was gross like just shut it out mm-hmm. just pretend it doesn't exist which is the wrong mm-hmm. mindset entirely cuz it's so it very much part of your health it is so i generally talk about periods being clean periods being pure and not being some sort of a disease and i also talk about the importance of menstrual cups tampons um how to insert menstrual cups basically you know daily life practical uh, hacks i try to give people so that they also feel ki it's fine i can you know survive <laughs> no it's true though cuz i know that there's even women that i know that they never were properly taught how to insert it and so like it yeah. hurts or it, it gets stuck or it's like dry and there's even women that can't use it and so when for instance my in my case personally i get a uh, toxic shock syndrome um when i was a teenager mm-hmm. i was in i think it hit me like 30 40 minutes into it i immediately broke into a fever and when i first started telling people i couldn't wear tampons people gave me like the ew you have to you mm. like this like attitude mm. of like that's gross yeah. i feel and so <laughs> i actually didn't tell a lot of people growing up i would just kept it to myself and then i realized that no like this that's ridiculous like no there's other people like me like <laughs> this is ridiculous thing to even be upset over this is ridiculous so um i think it's important for people to talk about it because if we don't talk about it then you still have that shame around it we feel 
bad about it when we shouldn't like sex and periods and things like that it's natural shouldn't feel any you know honestly people don't even know much about their own anatomy so that is also one thing that i talk about people don't know how to you know clean their private parts they don't know what are the right things to do when it comes to taking care of yourself down there and sometimes people don't even know how to locate their own pleasure spots people don't know how to break barriers of communication with their partners so these are you know basic general things that people need to know that is why i target very basic very obvious topics and i share them across absolutely and i love that it's it's one of those things like it might be so obvious but sometimes when it comes to our sexual wellness and sexual health and even exploration it's the most obvious of things that just get overlooked that is true that is very true it happens i mean see i we cannot even blame people because there's there's no one to teach them right i mean in school i remember all of us used to be excited about that one chapter like oh my god uh, human reproduction now we'll learn about sex so that excitement is normal okay it's very normal but i remember our teachers they would be like mm, they would just skip that they would just just read over it quickly and just get it done with mm. and you know that way none of us really knew that what is right and what is wrong and none of us knew about our bodies so <clears throat> i actually credit people who have you know taken a lot of interest in reading things about sex ed in you know in getting into the field i think it's very important you know i mean teachers genuinely skipped out on all of that and that was the age when we needed to learn but we did not we could not more like so well- yeah Yeah. And that must be difficult because like that's, you put a lot of trust in your education systems to kind of tell you those things. And you mentioned earlier that a lot of people were learning from pornography. And I feel like that's, Mm -hmm. um, if anyone's got an internet connection, internet is the most like, like you can just go to pornography sites right away. And what's happening is I do feel everywhere that these younger kids are watching these things. And because no one wants to talk about it, they're taking porn as like, this is it. This is, this is my sex education, which is really damaging. It can be very, very Mm. damaging. I honestly debunk myths about porn also. I wanted to uh, make this video. I mean, I plan to make this video where I talk about the reality of porn. Like, you know, uh, recently I read how body parts that are shown in porn, they're digitally edited in order to make them look perfect. And, you know, like perfect, perfect, quote unquote, perfect. And um, there are scenes that are cut in order to you know make it look like they've lasted very long mm-hmm. even uh, i even uh, read that uh, uh, these actors they take a lot of medicines and hormones in order to help them last longer and longer so these are things that people don't know and they attach all of these expectations into real life sex so mm-hmm. my motto also becomes real sex and real sex is very different you cannot compare the two that is very different So yeah, these are things I talk about. And at the same time, I also advocate for porn because it is a platform where people can, you know, explore their likes and dislikes, their own sexuality. But it what matters is whether they're watching the right kind of porn. And that is where ethical porn comes in. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> no, <laughs> but porn is a big porn. one because there is a shift in more ethical porn. Hmm. I think also like some of the porn that I was 
showcased when I was younger, like between that porn versus the ethical porn that was going on now, like I look back at that and there's no way that those, those women really wanted to be there like wholeheartedly, like, you know, like it just felt, it's It's so, but even if they're, they're there and they're getting paid, like the, they're preying on people that are vulnerable. Like, I feel like that was a lot of the porn that I saw when I was younger was very vulnerable people in vulnerable settings. And then, yes. And- I think what people mainly need to know is that sex is messy. Sex is confusing. Sex is never perfect. Even if you do it for the hundredth time, you might still mess up. <laughs> you might still uh, make a mistake during some point where you did not make a during you know where you did not make a mistake earlier in that same experience it depends you know it depends on a lot of things it depends on the context it depends on your mood it depends on your emotions i also think when it comes to porn that younger people really need to understand especially when it comes to women's pleasure that that is an act and like you just like it's unrealistic like the the pornography like the moves that those women are in like they're most likely not going to get an orgasm from penetration that way and there's a lot more to it like I feel like younger like younger people really think that women are supposed to get off in like two minutes and it's like that's not the case like women actually need like mentally they need to be mentally stimulated and safe like they they need to make sure that that their brain almost comes first once you get that person relaxed then you can move forward (laughs) So I have been reading this book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagorski. And in there, she talks about how sex, how sexual experience can be different in different contexts. So there was this example that she gave that one of her friends and her husband, when they were newly married, they were having a very good sex life. And later on, like as time went by, um, this the same the same sex life, it, it was not that, you know, it was not that passionate. Now, this woman was really upset. She was like, why is this happening? Why am I not able to respond to him? He's literally doing the same things like he used to when we were newly married. What is wrong with me? So there comes in the whole idea of context. It uh, There comes in the whole idea of, um, you know, your environment. You know, this woman, now she has a child. She has to work. She has to, you know, basically she has responsibilities. Even her husband does. and. When the context is such, when there are so many stressors present around you, obviously it will affect your sex life. And mm-hmm. I just think that people need to understand this more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think people need to be aware of that. that and even okay after. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, to yeah, your point. To yeah. your point. I would say that even with that, when after someone has kids like we see that there's a quite a shift in how men will look at their wives after having kids Hmm. like all of a sudden some of like maybe the harder things that they were into they can't necessarily do because now they view this person as the mother of their child and not necessarily just their wife like they've adopted this new role and that can be a change and I think that more people should know about that as well because once you identify it and it's not just you like it's a lot of people go through this change, then you can work on it and you realize, you know, other people are going through it. So there's, you know, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, I mean, the same thing goes for men. As you said, men might, men might view their partners differently. Women might feel that their body is not the same like it used to be. So how, you know, how must he be looking at me right now? I feel so conscious. So, you know, stuff like that, thoughts like that, it affect you, right? 
So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's important to know. Yeah, I think when it comes to that, I I don't know, like men, I feel like women are more when they are conscious about their looks. I, I don't feel like men give a fuck ever. Like any, like women will be like, oh my gosh, this like, bo- like this one thing on my stomach or I don't look thin or this. And men don't care. They're not, they're not registering that. They're just excited that they're getting laid. Like that's how I feel. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but that was, this has been a great conversation. I'm I'm really happy that we finally got to connect and I love your work and I love that you're just getting out there and doing this and even with them taking down your socials it's good to see you back up there and back doing your thing yeah and same goes for you i really love your page i have checked out your page from top to bottom and i really like the stuff you talk about i mean kink kink is not something that is discussed right and um kink is still an area that i'm exploring i don't have much expertise in it again i'm learning with everyone no, else it's good and your posts really help me you know learn more i literally i'm like wow oh my god this also happens that also happens i mean there are things i've never heard of and i listen to them with such interest <laughs> oh well thank you so much well i do feel that i believe that everyone is kinky at heart and i do think we need something kink when it comes to sexual wellness like i do think that it should be definitely part of the conversation absolutely that's mm-hmm. why i got into this but it's because sexual wellness and sexual health it's so big it's such a big umbrella and even within the umbrella itself I feel like there's elements that people are a little bit more nervous to talk about and BDSM and kink and kinky wellness as I like to coin it that's definitely something even within sexual health that Mm -hmm. people are kind of iffy because there's so much negativity around it like you have to be damaged or there has to be something wrong with you and it's not the case actually I believe that that is just a narrative people have put out to make people not want to explore their sexuality, not want people to go out and explore that side of them. Because if you can demonize it or make someone feel bad for it, then they won't do it. But it's a big part of your healing. Sexual healing is a real deal, but it doesn't happen unless you explore into those avenues. Yeah, I mean, I have had a lot of questions from people telling me about their specific kinks and fetishes and them feeling that they're not normal. And they get into a lot of guilt about it, you know. And even though I don't have much expertise in this, I always make sure, firstly, I Google, I look at pages such as yours, and then I answer their questions. Mm -hmm. And I also refer. I'm like, look at this page, look at that page. And at the same time, I make sure I tell them that it's okay. Yeah. You are like, you are you, you are like this. You don't have to worry about it. You know, as long as it's not impacting your daily life, your social life, your your work, your studies, whatever. As long as it's not, you know, directly having any contact with all of that, it's fine, you know. You do you, be yourself. Well, even that, like, I know that, like, you can heal yourself through kink and BDSM. Like, there are things that are healing from it. And not gonna lie, man, aren't all of us a little fucked up? Like, aren't all all of us have trauma? Like, all of us have something that we've gone through. It's called life. Life throws Mm. like curveballs at you all day and tomorrow. There's not a single person on this planet that hasn't had something happen to them because that's just life in general. So to say like, oh, I do feel that people really need to come into that. Like even that, like we all have our issues and you can work through it. But also again, what happened to just 
adventuring out and being curious for the sake of curious. What's the problem in that? Like we're allowed to do that as we're younger. And then all of a sudden you're an adult. So you're not allowed to like explore yourself anymore. That's bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that is the thing. Uh, a lot of people even view all of these things in black and white. Mm. They don't want to get into the gray area and, you know, find that balance for themselves. It's sad, you know, but yeah, surely and hopefully things will change. I'm sure that is why people like us are there. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm very happy. I I think in us, it's human. It's just a human exactly. thing that we have. <laughs> exactly. All of us have something. All of us have something, you know. I mean, to be very honest, I don't think everyone is 100% pure vanilla. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that. And I just... Even if someone is like, yeah, that's all I like, blah, blah, blah. I do feel like I talk to doctors about this. And if your sexual energy isn't up there, it's time to look at your health. It's time to look at your nutrition. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting, are your cycles in the particular order of which they should be in? Like our sexual wellness is connected to so many other avenues of our wellness that if you're not fueling yourself properly, then you won't have a lot of sexual energy. If you're not getting enough mm. sleep, then you're not going to have that energy as well. If you're not in an, an area or with people that you feel safe around, that you really can show your true colors to, then that also is going to affect your sexual wellness. So it's it's not mm. just like, oh, I, I don't want to have sex. It's like, okay, if you don't want to have sex, that's sure. But if you have low energy, and I'm not saying there's, there's people out there that don't want to have sex, that's fine. But I'm just saying that if, if that is the case and you used to be sexual and now you're not, or maybe it's just you feel kind of like a blob, then you really need to get your nutrition in check. Like, just check it out and see what it says. Yeah, that is true. And let's talk more about therapy also. I mean, if you feel something is not right, please go to a therapist. Please mm -hmm. talk to someone. Get help. That just is what. Talk. Like people yeah. are so scared to just talk about it as well. And I do feel like we have been all brainwashed into thinking that we're the only ones going through everything all the time. Mm. Like it's, but really it's, again, it's a life experience that we're all having. These are universal life experiences, sadness, grief, loss, anger, embarrassment. Like these are all things that we touch mm -hmm. on. So when you connect with someone else to say like, just to be heard, just to be seen, just for someone to listen to you and you feel that your words are falling on someone who's understanding you, that can alone make a huge difference. That is very true. I completely agree. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'm very happy that you're on this show. And I, is there, where can my listeners find you? I would, I can't wait to see you blow up and all that jazz. I would love for my listeners to reach out to you. <laughs> So um, I have a handle. It's called Taboo Talks double underscore on Instagram. Um, did I want me to like share the screen or something? I or... will put the links in the description for everyone to come find you. So that's what I will do. I'll okay. make sure that I get your uh, Instagram handle out there. And, you know, awesome. good luck and great work on what you do. And I'm excited to see you grow. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. It was such a great experience. And for the record, this is my first podcast. <laughs> I'm really happy. <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, for my listeners, I will be with you on Wednesday. And for everybody, as usual, make sure you stay kinky.